everyone. Welcome to the Fantasy Bait with Sam and Tate, brought to you by DrRota.com. Get your daily prescription of fantasy sports. Derek Tate, how the hell are you this evening? This is our first episode preseason. Before we get into 2022, I'm excited. It's been a minute since you and I have talked football or anything in general, really. I'm looking at my watch, checking my calendar, trying to actually reminisce on the last time that we had a chance to talk about football, but... The fact that training camp has arrived, players are starting to report to camp, whether they're in shape, out of shape, it does not matter. I'm not in playing shape right now, I'm not going to lie, but I am definitely mentally in shape to talk a little bit of fantasy football with you, as always. I am very excited to talk some fantasy football with you as well. You know, also, you know, I feel a little rusty. I feel like, you know, I'm going to be in preseason form. I already messed up the video, which is why you guys probably saw my face just laughing in the camera before the video actually went on. But, you know. It's how it goes. So please, guys, drop your questions, as I'm sure a lot of you had a, a lot of them to go into your drafts this coming season. Throw those questions in our comments, and we will try and get to all of them as quickly as we can. But we're going to try and focus on um, some players that have risen and fallen uh, in our ADP and just in the way that we're drafting them going into this season. Um, but first, I do want to just talk about news that came across today. Uh, rookie wide receiver um, John Mechie has uh, is not going to be playing this season um, with the Texans as he was diagnosed with a form of leukemia and will be sitting out to tend to his health, which he absolutely should. It is brutal to hear news like that come out, but hopefully they caught it early and he'll be able to make a full recovery. Yeah, I mean, wherever we talk about anything of this nature, I always think F cancer. Um, I, I'm censoring myself there, but I think we all uh, echo that that type of message when it comes to we get news like this. I wish him nothing but the best uh, and a speedy recovery, absolutely, uh, to fight this battle that's far more important than than fantasy football, football, whatever it is. You know, and the NFL is li his livelihood. Um, he got drafted, which is such an exciting thing for a guy that's devoted so much time to being a, a player with aspirations to make it to the NFL. Um, for him to have this happen is of course unfortunate, but you know what? I wish him nothing but the best. And I'm sure that he's going to have a ton of support. And I, I have imagined he's going to fight the good fight and uh, hopefully we're going to get some very good news in regards to John Mechie here pretty soon. Yeah, I agree. Um, definitely hope he can make a speedy recovery. We've seen other athletes come back from this in similar situations. James Conner, you know, also had his things that he dealt with and he came back from. We've seen a lot of players be able to come back from these things. So we're rooting for you. We really hope that you make a speedy recovery, come back stronger, and we'll look forward to hopefully seeing him next season. But Yeah, I mean, hopefully, just thinking like when it comes to the NFL draft process, uh, I know that they probably have to go through physicals and a bunch of medical testing and stuff of that nature. Um, so hopefully this was something that was caught very early and, and wish nothing but the best for John Menchie. Definitely. All right, guys. Again, if you have any draft questions, please throw them in the comments. But Tate and I are going to be going through some risers and fallers. Tate, do you want to start with quarterbacks really quick? Just because they're the fun ones to start with. Well, I'm going to just talk about the guys that are going to be rising. Guys. Talk about the guys that are rising in my personal rankings and, and folks that mm -hmm. I'm high on for the upcoming 2022 NFL season. And I'm kind of calling my shot with this player. Uh, in particular, the quarterback position. He's never had a top 10 finish as far as a fantasy perspective goes but I personally believe it is the year of the guy named Derek Carr and like I tell my 20 month old daughter Kennedy all the time what does a car say <laughs> beep 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 baby because here comes Derek Carr it's his breakout year in 2022 I think that 
what he was capable of doing last year, Sam, and, and the fact that the Raiders organization as a whole had a tumultuous 2021 NFL campaign, right? Uh, obviously, the whole release slash resigning of John Gruden, the head coach. They had Henry Ruggs, who was involved in, in a tragedy that unfortunately cost a, a young girl and, and a dog their their life, um, allegedly, of course. Um, but, you know, you look at what he was able to do to get this team to make it to the NFL playoffs. And that's what I want to focus on. Darren Waller wasn't available for, I believe, what was it, about seven games last season? Uh, he only played only played 11. Uh, Hunter Renfro ended up being basically the number one guy. Saw 103 targets last year to, to basically lead them in every single receiving category. But outside of that, it was like Brian Edwards and Zay Jones and Foster Moreau who were kind of his options going down the, the back stretch. But the Raiders were able to sneak into the playoffs um, based off of Derek Carr's play under center. Now you not only bring back Hunter Renfro and hopefully a, a healthy Darren Waller and Josh McDaniels coming into town, who is, I, I think, a quality off NFL offensive mind. But Sam, reunited, and it feels so good. You and I are reunited back on the mic today. We got Devontae Adams coming back to play with his boy from college at Fresno State. Yeah, baby. Derek Carr, Devontae Adams. Dun, 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 dun. It's going to be that family connection, the Adams family connection. In Las Vegas. I just think it's going to be – this all bodes so well for Derek Carr. And you look around the rest of the AFC West, um, I imagine he's going to have to put up a ton of points when you're playing the likes of Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers, and, of course, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos twice a season in what is going to be a very competitive AFC and certainly a competitive AFC West. They're going to have to put up some points, and I think Derek Carr – is going to see a career year in 2022. I mean, I definitely like that. I had uh, Derek Carr on my list of risers as well. Thanks, Mr. Scampers, for jumping in the chat. Love to see you. He also says that Moreau may be this season's Hunter Henry Light. Kind of interesting Ooh. take there. I like, kind of like that. Um, I think, and I have the feeling, kicking off with Derek Carr, as we go through risers and followers of the positions, I have the feeling we're going to ping pong between the Packers and Raiders a couple times, at least for myself, <laughs> in terms of ones that are taking are going up and those that are going down. Um, but, you know, you cannot... It's hard to measure exactly what caliber player having someone like Devontae Adams is on your team, but everything that he does at the position makes his quarterback better makes not just his stats better, but just makes everything better. So I can only imagine Derek Carr having an even more phenomenal season with the speed and talent that Devonte Adams brings to the table. So I definitely agree with you on this one as a riser. I feel like it's just, you know, sky's the limit in terms of what the two can do together. Also, I think the Raiders are taking a page out of the Bengals book, you know, reuniting college quarterbacks with their, uh, college receivers and you're seeing this kind of formula play across the NFL and a couple other teams as well. And it's, you know, people are wondering, is this the secret sauce to success? And I think that you're going to see a lot of success with this. So I'm really excited um, for Derek Carr for that reason. I love him in two quarterback formats for this reason as well. I think where you can get him is a fantastic value um, and a great person to stack as well. If you can maybe get him with Waller or Hey, maybe with Moreau super late that I love the idea of stacking him up with another receiver. If you could get him with Adams, that'd be even better, but um, you'd have to have a very specific draft position, I think to, to lock that in. 
Yeah, I'm all about stacks if it makes sense. I'm not reaching if it for makes stacks. Sense. I, yes. I'm not reaching for stacks personally. No. I, I'm drafting the best guy available, and I, I'm, I like to diversify. I, I mean, I'm not saying I have much of a portfolio at this point at 35 years old. That's very sad to talk about. But anyway, I'm not going to talk about that. So I'm going to focus on my fantasy investments, which there's nothing wrong with a nice little stack if it comes available at the right Price. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I think some of the advice that I like to give for people that are coming into their drafts, what strategy do you like to take in? I like to have the people that I like going into drafts. I like to have my lists, but I'm not, you know, a slave to those lists. Like if, if the draft shifts, I want to roll with the punches and I want to see who's available. I don't want to feel like just because my guy got taken right before my pick, I now have to scramble to figure out who I'm going after. I definitely feel like I'm definitely best available as well in terms of how I watch the draft go and how it falls to me. But, you know, I'm also ready to pivot. I feel like I've got lots of pivot plans in a lot of my draft strategy, like ready to go in different directions. Um Try not to think of friends. Pivot. 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 <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. Every time that word is mentioned on one of our casts, that's where my brain goes. But it's kind of like when you're shopping. If, if like a, an item is on sale and it's out of stock, you don't immediately look at the thing right next to it on the shelf that's at full price. You stay patient. You yeah. make the right buys at the yeah. right price. That's exactly. how it always works. At least how yeah. at least that's I've shown patience in my fantasy years. I, I feel like I'm a tethered veteran at this point. I know. I feel like I am too. I feel like I've, I've been doing this so long, man. It feels like I, a... my hair's turning gray. I've been doing this so long. Why do you think I'm going blonde, Derek? It's so that the grays are not as visible. Like this is why I'm going blonder and blonder. But anyway, I thought it was a I thought it was a rogue thing from like X Men that you were trying to like. I I don't know. I I know that we both have some comic book nerd in us, but um, I didn't I didn't know. But you're it it looks splendid. Thanks. Yeah, no, thanks. Let's let's stay on quarterbacks, though. I want to talk about another one that I think is on the rise, mostly because there's nowhere to go but up for this quarterback. And that's Trevor Lawrence. Not only does he have a brand new coaching staff that seems fully capable, but he has a brand new slate of receivers at his hand, like right in front of him. He has a healthy Travis Etienne. I think this is an etch a sketch where you go, okay, that was year one. We are going to rewrite the book and exactly play to all of his strengths. I'm just really excited to see what a true season with Trevor Lawrence with the Jaguars can look like and how he can begin to rebuild that franchise. Cause I feel like he's really the quarterback that can do it. He definitely has a lot of arm talent. I feel like sky's the limit and you know, you just have to forget what was last year and uh, be excited for this coming season. So for me, I think there's a lot of potential in taking him again in a second, as a second quarterback off the board, you're getting him super late. I think that it's just a fantastic option. So you don't get a red shirt year in the NFL, do you? Cause if you do, it should have definitely been used on Trevor Lawrence. He didn't use it in college, but Holy <laughs> Good God Almighty, was that a hot mess there in Jacksonville? It was and a bad. lot of it had nothing to do with him. Like it had it nothing really... to do with him. And to be fair, also, I feel like he was he showed a veteran level of professionalism whenever he had to be in front of the camera and talk about everything. He was so smart with everything that he said and he'd said all the right things. He could have absolutely flown off the handle and added to all the madness, but he kept saying, I want to focus on football. I want to focus on us getting better. He showed really great leadership to me as well. And I think that also bodes well for him again, rebuilding this franchise into something, you know, I don't want to say worth watching, but I do mean worth watching. 
Well, I, I would say it doesn't bode well for any NFL quarterback, even one as highly touted as a prospect as a, Trevor Lawrence was when your what 21 year old franchise quarterback is more mature than your head coach. And I, I, I know that that's being, you know, a real shot at urban Meyer, but to be perfectly honest with you, he kind of deserves it from how I, that all I played don't out. Think there, I don't think there's any shots that we could take right now today. That would be that shocking or be uh you know, not deserved. So, you know, all we can say is I, I think grass is greener and that's why I'm excited and think that he has to be on the way up. Cause there's no way it could get worse. There's no way it could get worse. Well, I also look at some of the other moves that they've made in the off season. I certainly like the move of Doug Peterson as the head coach. I mean, make what you will of his tenure in Philadelphia. I do believe that he is a, a very positive influence on the development of Trevor Lawrence, given that he has such a, I think a, a very gifted offensive mind when it comes to being able to get the most out of his quarterbacks. Um, I think that you saw the best of Carson Wentz under the watchful eye of Doug Peterson. Of course it didn't end well, but you did see flashes of brilliance. And I think that Trevor Lawrence is a better prospect that Carson Wentz ever dreamed of being. And the maturity, the, the, like you said, the leadership intangibles certainly shown through what was a horrible season there. Uh, but I, I, I believe in Trevor Lawrence. I still believe that he is a, a blue chip prospect and he's going to do some great things in the national football league. And as soon as this year, he could turn some heads from a fantasy perspective. Uh, I think that Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, uh, Marvin Jones, Jr. And even if you're still a LaVisca Chenault believer, Whisper, whisper, I still kind of am. Come on, LaVisca. I knew you would be. I, I knew it. you would be. Come Why on, am man. I not surprised? Damn it. Um, but I do like <laughs> Travis Etienne. I do like Travis Etienne yes. uh, this year. So, I mean, this Jacksonville offense, I think you're getting most of these guys at, at, at a fantasy discount heading into the year. Definitely. And I think that's what you look for, especially when you're going into a draft, is you're looking for who, who can fall later that you'll be happy with later and like their floor. And I think all of them have a decent floor going into this season where you're getting them. You're not sacrificing too much in order to fill out your roster with those players. So I think that there might, there might be several Jaguars on my, on my different teams this season. So I'm looking forward to that. Let's talk about quarterbacks that have fallen probably as a big result of a lot of offseason moves this year, but is there a quarterback in particular at the top of your head that you're thinking immediate regression going into 2022? Maybe you're not, reaching for this quarterback in any draft unfortunately it's the back-to-back -back nfl mvp aaron Rodgers. you talked about how we were going to be speaking a little bit about the las vegas raiders and the green bay packers and a lot of it has to do with this deal between them for Devontae adams yep. uh it directly impacts aaron Rodgers. Uh, it in does. my opinion so Right now, we're looking at, by the way, Christian Watson was uh, their second-round pick out of North Dakota State, who I, I think is a great prospect, but he has been placed on the pup list. And we don't. it, it was an undisclosed injury up to the point where I was kind of doing some research as to why. But, I mean, if you're looking right now, if there is something serious going on with Christian Watson, um, even if Watson's available, right? I mean, who who's going to be the number one receiver? Is it Watson? Is it Alan Lazard? Is it... You know, Amari uh, Rogers? Is it Randall Cobb? Is it, you know, uh, the ghost of Jordy Nelson? Who the hell knows right now? And it's just, yeah, all these things do not speak to Rogers having a, 
a top 10 fantasy season. And I don't like saying that because Rodgers is, is one of the best He's quarterbacks Rogers. I've yeah. seen in the last, since the turn of the century. But I, I just don't think that the, the requisite weapons are available to him to, you know, finish inside the top five at the quarterback position. And, and I think that he could flirt with finishing outside the top 10. So right now his ADP, according to fantasy pros is, you know, just outside of the top 10 at, at 12. And to me, that makes sense. And I'd probably even have guys. I personally have Derek Carr and someone like Trey Lance above Aaron Rodgers heading into the yeah. year. No, I I think that makes sense. And he's also also on my list in terms of fallers this season. It's just his the touchdown regression is just eminent without having someone like Devontae Adams there to catch passes. And we were looking and hoping for a wide receiver two to pop up last year that Rodgers would trust enough to help, you know, offset some of the pressure that Adams was seeing in the passing game as well. And we never got that. And I still feel like we're again, still looking for that, you know, magic um, connection of him with another receiver. So until something happens, maybe there's another trade move that the Packers have up their sleeves that they're planning on doing before or during the season. Um, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. is someone that, you know, is, you know, coming back from injury. But I think that that could be a really good fit for him to end up as a Packer as well. And immediate fantasy value and usage there if he happens to make that move. So, I mean, it hasn't well, happened, but it could not like there's there are still things that could happen to fill in that spot. Julio Jones also comes to mind. Actually, mm-hmm. like the Vegas odds on him uh, were the highest to wind up with the Packers. I think Will Fuller is still a free agent, too, yep. that could potentially come in and, and contribute immediately. But, yeah, as of right now, as currently constructed, uh, I'm not a huge fan of, of what the Packers receiver room looks like, and it's going to have an impact on Aaron Rodgers' bottom line as far as production goes this season. Absolutely. Um other quarterbacks that are falling for you. I mean, we both have Rodgers on our list. I'm tempted to throw Patrick Mahomes on the list as well. It's another quarterback that Ooh. lost their top wide receiver. Does this mean, you know, if Patrick Mahomes is sitting there at a perfect spot, I'm not going to take him? No. But at the same time, I'm not super high on him this season just because I feel like last year a lot of teams figured out what the Kansas City Chiefs number was and was able to get under their skin and showed us that Patrick Mahomes was mortal in a lot of senses. There were a lot of teams that got the best of that offense in a lot of ways. And I just wonder if that has created a plateau effect where you're not going to get this elite crazy season because he's, you know, he's been taken down a peg. Is that crazy? I don't know if that's crazy to say. I'm not going to hold on. I don't want to say that it's necessarily crazy because in theory, you know, some of the justification and and I want to stay consistent, right? I want to stay consistent saying that, you know, Rogers loses Devontae Adams, then Mahomes losing Tyreek Hill could have a similar impact. The the difference is though, is that there's an all pro tight end and Travis Kelsey, that's still wearing a chief's Jersey that is at the disposal of Patrick Mahomes. But yeah, he, he did have a pretty, you know, rough stretch there for about like a month, I guess last season. He had a brutal month. Yeah. I think it was uh, about three, four weeks that he had a couple of brutal back-to-back games that those that rostered him were 
shaking their heads and, you know, wondering what happens what, to what the hell's going on, right? What's yeah, going on? Like, this isn't what I signed up for. Um, so I just wonder as that result. And if we, as we look into 2022, I wonder if this is the year where we look back and we say, okay, 2021 was the, you know, the little post-it note memo, like, Hey, there might be an, a problem here. And then maybe this is the year that he really just doesn't, doesn't exceed expectations. So speaking of expectations, Mahomes has finished as a top seven quarterback over the last four years. And of course he finishes the number one overall in 2018, his MVP season, but the last two years in a row, even with the law that he had last year, Mm -hmm. he finishes the quarterback four. So do you see his fall? Does he fall outside of the top five? Is that, is that what you're trying to predict? That's kind of where I'm going with this. I feel like he falls outside of the top five at the end of this season, mostly because I feel like so many other teams are going to take a step up and compete there that I wouldn't be surprised to see him not finish the season in the top five. See, I, I'm with you for trying to say that I, I would still draft Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, I would still draft him, but I'm just... At, at a price, though. Right now, price, his ADP yeah. is his is 30 overall, according to the most recent data on Fantasy Pros. Um, so, you know, what is that? Uh, a third rounder, mid-third-ish? Uh, yeah. Uh, second quarterback off the board after Josh Allen. But I personally see a handful of guys that have an opportunity to kind of surpass him that have some weapons that I like a little bit more than what Mahomes is going to have to try to figure out with Juju Smith-Schuster and Sky Moore. There's just a lot of moving parts. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, obviously old reliables there in Travis Kelsey, but this offense is going to look a little bit different when you no longer have one of the best deep threats to ever grace an NFL football field and Tyreek Hill no longer there as a threat. Um, yeah. so uh, it's going to, it's going to take a little bit to get worked out. I still believe Mahomes finishes, uh, at five. I, I don't think he falls outside of the top five, but okay. I do hear your argument. Yeah. Um, when it comes to quarterbacks though, that are being drafted inside the top five that I think have a chance to finish a little bit lower to me, it's Lamar Jackson and okay. I love Lamar and Lamar is one of the most exciting guys to watch. Uh, every time a Ravens game is on, I, I'm glued to the television because I just, what he can do on a football field astounds me. Yeah. He's dynamic. He gives you a beautiful floor every week because of, I mean, the fact that he's one of the best ball carriers in the NFL, regardless of the fact that he's actually a quarterback. But, you know, you traded away Hollywood Brown. You're in the midst of a contract negotiation that, you know, he slash his mother are working on together with the Ravens franchise that hasn't gotten done yet. Kyler Murray just got paid. Deshaun Watson got paid. A bunch Somehow. of quarterbacks have got, I understand that. And that, that, that makes me, you know, almost want to hurl into the microphone, but uh, I, I'm holding we, we down. Don't talk about that. I'm holding, I'm holding down my dinner right now at the current point by just talking about Lamar Jackson, who he's what? 25 years old, has an NFL MVP on his, on his resume, but yet they haven't given him a contract extension yet. This is head scratching to me. Um, yeah. Why it hasn't gotten done yet. Uh, the fact that it's taken a while though, maybe is benefiting Lamar seeing that so many other quarterbacks are getting paid. But the point is they traded away Hollywood Brown the year before they traded around, uh, traded away an offensive lineman. I believe in Orlando Brown jr. Um, you know, so some of the talent that's been around Lamar, they're offloading like why? I, I, I mean, like, I mean, I mean they, 
who I mean, Rashad Bateman, I, I like him out of Minnesota, and he showed some flashes as a rookie, but I mean, outside of him, where we're looking at Devin Duvernay, I mean, like Jane Prochet, like what the hell are are I want to see them build around Lamar, but it seems like they're kind of like little subtraction here and there. It's very odd. And I don't know if we're going to see if that's going to leak into his play, if he's going to press because he wants a big payday. Is it going to – the fact that they traded away his his number one receiver, does that have an impact as far as his production through the air? I expect the stuff on the ground to st- stay the same, mm-hmm. but I, I, I think that there's just some concerning things in regards to Lamar Jackson right now. Uh, as far as his contract goes and some of the other moves that they've made, uh, subtracting some of his weapons around him, that feels like the quarterback four feels uh, like a bit of a high price tag for even someone as talented as Lamar. So I'm I'm just going to politely disagree because as the Steelers fan that I am and watching the draft this season, um, the Ravens had a really good draft. They had a really good draft getting a lot of new weapons one of which that I'm most jealous about is getting Tyler Linderbaum center. Just he's, he's just a, such a pivotal player on that offensive front that I feel like when you get someone like that in line, that is just going to be a huge help to someone like Lamar Jackson who needs that offensive front to be strong. He is such an immediate, he's going to be so, so fantastic for that line. So to me, I'm really excited to see what that's going to do to help open up the running game, which they are a run first team. And that's why he fits so well in that scheme. Plus Mark Andrews is still there and still arguably going to be a top receiver and going to be able to be that red zone threat. I feel like there's enough there that still makes drafting Lamar Jackson as maybe the third quarterback off the board, still very viable and, return on investment is going to be very healthy. I, I, I'm, I hear your counter argument. I understand. I look, I love Tyler Linderbaum. It has nothing to do with the center out of Iowa. I think it was a great draft pick. I also love their pick with Kyle Hamilton, but they also drafted two tight ends and no receivers, but traded away Hollywood Brown. I'm just making that argument. I get it. That's all. But that's, but the Ravens haven't been a look at our three crazy good wide receivers team. That, That hasn't been their thing. So why would it become their thing this year? You know, I'm not saying it's their identity, but I, I just think that Rashad Bateman and, and Hollywood Brown would have been such great compliments to go with, with Mark Andrews. I, I just, I thought you had the makings of something right there and you did. And you decided that you'd rather have Linderbaum than, than Hollywood Brown. Okay. I understand that that's part of their identity, Sam. And certainly he will have an impact as far as them being able to consistently run the football um, you know, and help and protection for Lamar Jackson. I, I I like the pick. It's just Lamar's got to throw it to people, and I'm just he not does. super excited about him throwing it to Devin Duvernay or James Prochet. No, but I, I am excited to see him throw it to Rashad Bateman. I am looking forward to him throwing it to all my shares of Mark Andrews that I have. Wait, I wish I had more. That's I'm going to say this. I, I think Lamar <laughs> finishes the year as the quarterback nine in fantasy. Nine? Nine. He's being drafted at four. I think he finishes at nine. So that's why I'm saying I would have him. I wouldn't take him at his price tag. He's falling down my board personally a little bit. 
All right. Well, we can agree to disagree and go. Let's I go. Know. Let's go on to running I backs. I know. Since I know. We're already I know. there, and we're already almost thirty minutes in, and we've only talked quarterbacks. So of course, I this know. is going to go long, even though we wanted to keep it short and sweet for you guys tonight. So if you have buckled in and you're enjoying the fantasy debate with myself and Derek Tate, please go ahead and throw more questions in there. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. We've got Albert joining us, so thank you so much, Albert, for tuning in. Good evening to you, sir. And Mr. Scampers has been in the chat and he has been fantastic. So thank you so much. Let's talk about running backs that are rising and falling. Um, not to jump right back onto the Packers train, but they are both really high on my list for all the reasons we spoke about earlier as to why we're worried about Aaron Rodgers not having an elite top receiver. I am loving the possible targets that are going to be split both between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, respectively. I think that these running backs both for where you're getting them out of in the draft are both steals if you happen to get aaron jones as your our running back one you are singing praises if you happen to be able to to grab aj dillon as your running back too i think you also have amazing value there for him so i love both of them equally i would never draft both on the same team not crazy like it just wouldn't happen, but that's a weird stack. If I, that's if, stack I, I, want if I can get with. one, if you can get one, I think you'll be really, really happy with their production this season. I mean, when you look at the receiving games that both of them had last year, and at least the way both of them finished, Aaron Jones finished 11th, AJ Dillon finished 23rd, respectively, very good for the positions. Um, Dillon finished with 34 receptions and 37 targets. Um, Aaron Jones had far more with 52 receptions, 65 targets. But what's interesting to me is both of them had over 300 receiving yards. I feel like Aaron Jones is 391 to the 313 from Dylan. That's closer than you would anticipate based on nearly half the receptions. I think that AJ Dillon's efficiency and being able to get open also speaks to that. So to me, I can see his touchdowns in the receiving game going up with the potential of not having Devontae Adams there so he can get the deep ball so he can be more of you know a weapon across the field. So I, I'm interested um, in th- both of these Packer running backs are intriguing to me. The reason why is like their price point is okay for both. Like yeah. Aaron Jones has certainly shown that he has, you know, league winner capability as far as like his efficiency and explosiveness. Love it. And certainly he's a capable pass catcher. What's weird though is that AJ Dillon is pretty involved in the passing game and the fact that he what Aaron threw him the ball 37 times only three times was it incomplete like that's that's amazing weird. efficiency like, right but it also uh it, it caps both of their potential ceilings right so if you're okay with you know watching Aaron Jones score a touchdown when you're a Dylan shareholder and vice versa Okay, I hate stomaching that. That stuff like boils my blood when I'm watching um, fantasy, like watching football on Sundays, and I'm like, oh, damn it. You know, there's, you know, Aaron Jones scoring his third touchdown, and I started AJ Dillon this week. Like, it drives me mad, but the price tag, the price is right for these guys. This is an interesting one from Kevin saying, um, you say a weird stack, but what about in best ball in PPR scoring? That's different. That's different. Best ball I'm okay with. Okay. Uh-huh. But there is an exception. 
exception. Thank you, Kevin, okay. for the great question. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm okay with it in best ball. That's fine. But on I, it's something I that mean, every yeah. every week I'm gonna like, you know, grind my teeth, lose sleep over who I start. Um, you know, I'm not saying I have both of the guys, but you know, to sit there and, and watch the fantasy points go to another running back on the same team, it's like I'm inviting that that type of agony into my Sunday by dra- drafting one of these guys. Sure, but I think what was proven last year was just how much they were both on the field. I think that without Adams there as well, I think you're going to see more of that with both of them being used because who else is going to catch the ball when both of them have shown that they are more than capable of doing it? That's why I think if you were someone that got A.J. Dillon, again, as you're running back too, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised by just how many targets he's going to get this year because there's so many more available now without Adams there. Other counter argument though, I don't think that this offense without Devontae Adams is going to be as prolific. I think that they're they're going to have fewer scoring opportunities. They're not going to have longer sustained drives, which means those touches can even be more erratic than they have been between these two. So that's Fair. that's another thing that scares me a little bit. I'm a little bit more down on the Packers offense. So although the price looks good and certainly you like that both running backs are involved and can score and are capable in the passing game, I understand. I just I'm a little down on the offense and I do think that it has an impact um, in production as far as touchdown ceiling goes when you already have these two guys they are going to eat into each other's ceilings on a week-to-week basis. I feel like they help each other, so I'm just going to do it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we can move on. Um, okay, let's get off of the Packers for a second. Um, is there another running back on your list that is on the rise since I just covered two? See, I, I think I'm going more of the mindset of this is the year for this guy. Okay. Right now, he's currently got an ADP of, of 72 and is right around running back 28 to 32 off the board, according to Fantasy Pro's ADP. It was an anomaly that Miles Sanders did not score a touchdown. He had the same amount of touchdowns as you and I, Sam, last year. A goose egg. A so zero. No. Yeah. <laughs> did you score? <laughs> I wish. No. Um I could, I think I could score from the one yard line if there were no defenders on the football field. So, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, don't could do that. I, I, pull, I pulled a calf on my way to the table to record this episode. I am not playing shape right now, but you, you need to take some supplements. <laughs> thank you. Do you have any? I'm kidding. We'll talk about it offline. When it comes to Miles Sanders, though, this offense is one that is probably geared up pretty well to be one of the more efficient running offenses in the National Football League. I love their offensive line unit up front. I believe that they are one of the best units, if not arguably the best unit in the entire NFL. Jalen Hurts is a plus as a dual threat quarterback, which certainly defenses have to account for, which open up rushing lanes and all kinds of different playbook options uh, for Nick Sirianni uh, and, and the Philadelphia Eagles play calling unit. So, and then you, oh, by the way, they draft, they traded for AJ Brown. So you have to account for him in the passing game. I I think that there's going to be, but make no mistake while they have weapons on the outside, this is going to be a, a team that is filtered through the running game. And I think that their defense got significantly better with some of the, the additions that they made. I think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to win the NFC East this year. And I think they're going to have one of the better defenses in the NFL, which 
definitely is going to lend itself to a team that wants to run the football as their identity on the offensive side. And that is going to benefit Miles Sanders, who I think his efficiency has been something that I've loved to see is still pretty effective. Um, and the, the touchdown regression or pr- progression, I expect, because it can't get any worse than it did last year. I think he's a steal at his current ADP. I think I agree with the price. However, I have him as one of my fallers this year in terms of, really? yeah, I'm just not loving the way that this is mixing up. I think that there's, there's definitely a lot of weapons now for the Eagles. I love this for Jalen hurts and I want him to take a step up. And I do think that AJ Brown helps him. But when I look at the way, at least the way that we're drafting our running backs these days, we like them to be heavily utilized in the passing game as well. And right. I just don't see with Kenneth Gainwell getting far more targets, almost double his targets to, to Sanders. I just, for me, that's a reason to not put him on my list of like, make sure I grab him in this middle round. Like, it just takes a knock on that when you can get other backs that are going to have that usage and get that extra PPR bonus for you. So for me, that's why I'm a little bit off on Sanders. I can understand. And you can also make the argument since you're going with the PPR target, you know, um, thought process that his target share has gone down every single season he's been in the NFL. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I understand that Kenneth Gainwell is certainly an option uh, that's going to get him off the field sometimes in in regards to including passing work. But I just think that it also, it's, it's more has to do with like, you know, Jalen hurts. Um, You know, I'm not super excited about what he's going to bring to the table as a pure passer anyway. So what I'm drafting miles Sanders for is his efficiency as a ball carrier. And he's going to give you some production. He still caught 26 passes last year. It's just, again, it has mostly to do with the fact that there was no touchdown production and durability uh, was an issue for a second straight year. If Sanders can stay healthy behind this offensive line, though, I do think that he has the potential to finish inside the top 15. I know that that might seem a little bullish, but I kind of have him as a year where this is the post- post hype year <laughs> that post, actually post year? the nice. post post type that could work for miles sanders favor all right well on that note then albert's throwing this at us what do you think of um kenneth gainwell as respectively is he someone i mean we talked about the ppr usage and when you're looking right. at running backs off the board he's currently at around 47 um i look around at other running backs at that position and i think who would i rather have um you've got darrell henderson for the rams and you've got james robinson coming off of his injury but was incredibly useful for the Jags um, when healthy. And then you've also got um, the likes of Gus Edwards as well, Raheem Mostert now with Miami. Um, What I love with Gus Edwards is just, you know, the way that the Ravens use their running backs, he's someone that could end up being fantastic in something like best ball where, where you get him, he's going to get very steady usage in a very run heavy scheme. Um, So I just have to compare on whether I would rather have, Kenneth Gainwell with a slight upside on PPR, but now with a mix of a lot of other players, I don't know if he's someone that I'm targeting. When I look at those other guys around him, I think I'd rather have some of the other ones that are surrounding that position. Yeah. I I personally don't see this ceiling with Kenneth Gainwell. Right. And even the floor is, is debatable, right? What, what is the floor? I mean, he saw 50 targets last year and yeah, I mean, he caught 33 balls, but that wasn't that, 
many was, more than Miles Sanders, and yeah. they just added AJ Brown too. So I mean, it's I I, I mean Kenneth Gainwell will here and there give you a, a startable week if if it's a deep PPR league, but I I don't think he's sniffing a hundred carries. Like I, I also don't think that he's really going to sniff sixty targets. So yeah. I, I just I don't see the 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 upside personally with Kenneth Gainwell. His production is going to be. Uh, incredibly tough, if not impossible to predict. Yeah, no, that one, that one's gonna be tough. And I, what I really want to hammer in then, I guess, when I talk about how, why I'm low on Miles Sanders as a result of Kenneth Gainwell, he's just there enough to make it not amazing for me to have Miles Sanders on my team. He's just enough of a chink in the armor as to why he's not that great that I would then want that player, but he's just enough of a problem for stats, for hoarding stats from Miles Sanders that for me, that's why it it separates the two. I just want to. I get it. I get it. It's just. I'm it's not just thirty one running back thirty one off the board is like the main ball carrier in a in a run heavy scheme. Like I I I'm willing to live with the Kenneth Gainwell game here and there where he catches more passes. I'll be okay, okay. Uh, if if he gives me that efficiency on the ground. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to some wide receivers. Who do you have as a wide receiver you're not leaving a draft without? Jerry Judy. Jerry Love Judy it. is Jerry Judy is my guy this year. Um, certainly, I was high on Debo Samuel um, heading into last year with like a lot of Brandon Ayuk, you know, hype and kind of building into the season like he was going to have a breakout year. And I kept looking at that guy, Debo, and I was like, you guys are overlooking the guy that is a, a dynamo after the catch. Jerry Judy hasn't had good quarterback play since he entered the national football league. And some guys have been able to overcome that. In fact, one of his teammates, Cortland Sutton has in past past seasons, but Jerry Judy to me is the guy that is the, the more, the most talented wide receiver on in this wide receiver room. I think he is going to mesh perfectly with, with Russell Wilson, given that you can move him all over the formation. He can win on all three levels of the football field and he's one of the best route runners I've I've ever seen. I think with Russell Wilson being there, if Jerry Judy can stay healthy, that's the big thing with him. Can he stay healthy? If he does, I think Jerry Judy has a chance to to surprise people with a potential top 10 or 12 season this year. I like that. I like that pick a lot. Um, Judy's someone on my list that, you know, every time that you sit around those players in a draft, he always ends up just like slipping through my fingers and it gets me frustrated because I'm like, okay, this is because I haven't gotten any shares. I feel like he's going to go off. So as a result of that, I feel like because I'm missing out, he's going to have an amazing season. Like, I, I don't know that I always like to believe in jinxes like that, but I feel like it happens all the time and it's really annoying. Um, I'm sure I, that I, I don't know. I don't know if there's any one guy that I can think of that that's always slipped through my fingers, but uh, you know, right now Judy's like coming off the board right around that wide receiver 30 to 35 range. Uh, yeah. Again, I, I, I personally believe in the upside uh, being somewhere in the, in the top 15, top 12. And, and I wouldn't be shocked to be finished inside the top 10. So I'm excited about Judy. I just, yeah. you know, I was so high on him coming out of Alabama and it's just been not great the first two years i feel like he's due and it also really helps that your boy russ might be uh cooking up something special there in denver this year oh i definitely think he's going to be cooking up some special stuff um struggling with which of my wide receivers i should 
talk about that I love most. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a home pick homer pick. I'm gonna go oh, with a homer no. pick. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Yante Johnson. I think that he is going to be not only just fine this year, but they are going to utilize him a lot. And when I say they, I mean whichever quarterback gets the start, I think it's gonna be Trubisky. I'm positive it's gonna be Trubisky. But what I mostly have faith and uh, what I'm thinking is going to happen the most is we're going to be playing from behind a lot. Mike Tomlin's system works fantastically for receivers to have over a thousand yard seasons very consistently. I think that's not going to change this year. But I also think that the quarterback play, considering that Big Ben was in the twilight of his career and not having his best season last year and even the year before, and just seeing just how productive the receiving game still was when you have these younger quarterbacks that are fully capable of, you know, airing out the ball consistently, much better targets. I think that Deontay is going to have a fantastic season. And if I can get him in drafts, I'm getting him because I think that they're going to be leaning a lot on him this season. See what worries me though. I believe a lot of what Ben Roethlisberger was capable of doing last year actually benefited Deontay Johnson, who is fantastic at winning near the line of scrimmage and winning underneath and, and creating separation quickly because mm-hmm. that offensive line there, as you are well aware of last season struggled like mm-hmm. Ben was under duress. And I, 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 I of all the quarterbacks uh, getting hit a lot, I'm shocked that Ben Roethlisberger was able to make it through the entire season. But Man, I just, I don't different. know. Am I, well, am I, so who am I saying? Am, am, I, am I confident that Trubisky is going to be able to get the ball out of his hands and, and into like accurately to Deontay Johnson on and pepper him with that many targets, you know, within under 10 yards of the line of scrimmage? Um, am I confident he's going to be able to hit him deep? Am I, am I confident in what the hell I can even expect from Kenny Pickett? Like, I just feel like there's some unknown. And that yeah. unknown, Sam, is what's making me hesitate for his current ADP, which is at 39 like that. That's high for me, but you seem to be like all in on Deontay Johnson. Do you think he's going to outperform that stock of being the 13 receiver off the board? I think he's going to outperform. I think he's going to do absolutely fine. And it purely has to do with the Steelers scheme. The fact that Mike Tomlin is the coach that he is, and he is a player's coach. He's also going to play to everyone's um, best skill sets. What also we get out of either Trubisky or Pickett that we haven't had from Ben is the ability to scramble. Ben has been, you know, Big Ben, the tower clock, not moving for a very long time, which doesn't help when you have an offensive line that crumbles in front of you and you can't move away from it. What I think that these both these quarterbacks have is the ability to scramble, the ability to pass on the go. And I think that's going to help a player like Deontay, who is able to get that separation, like you said, and be open up the middle of the field, which he was lacking in targets there last year because Ben was struggling to get him the ball there. I think that that's going to be resolved by the skills that these quarterbacks bring to the table. Again, this system works well for these types of players. So that's why I have more confidence in it because I have faith in the system because, you know, faith in Mike Tomlin forever and ever. If I could open up a church of Mike Tomlin, I would. Is that too much? I, I, I went too no, far. I mean, maybe it was a little bit much. I mean, I, I get that you're you, you're 
your I'm a believer. I know you're a believer. I know, and I'm not going to rain on Homer your parade. I'm, I, 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 I made my, I made my case against it. I'm going to let let you let you you know wave your flag as you ride off into the sunset. So he's my guy. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Terrible. All right, let's talk about receivers that are maybe on the downward swing, Ben, um, going into 2022. Yeah, for me, it's AJ Brown. Um, I, I've already kind of. I'll touch on it again real quick. I'm I'm yeah. not super high on what Jalen Hurts brings as a pure passer. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's gonna, I think he's going to be a great fantasy quarterback. I think he's going to finish inside the top ten. But do I believe that AJ Brown is going to, you know, see 140 targets this year? I don't. Do I believe? Because I mean, Devontae Smith is also a, I really think a great wide receiver. And by the way, Dallas Goddard is I think an awesome tight end. Yeah. So, and this is again, I believe it's going to be a a, a pretty run heavy team. Um, so I I just don't see AJ Brown returning on the investment uh, as the wide receiver nine at like tw- like the twenty sixth overall pick at like an early third rounder end of the second. I think that that price tag is just far too expensive for me. I think that there's a chance that AJ Brown finishes just inside the top twenty five wide receivers. I don't want to take him as the ninth wide receiver off the board overall. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that one. Um I mean I saw the move and I was just like just bummed. Just like very disappointed. I mean I it's just I, I feel like his ceiling is capped more and I feel right. like, and I think just because of the way that they run their offense and the run game that's used, I just don't think the opportunities are there for him to flourish. Is he gonna be the number one? Sure, he's gonna be the number one, but on a team that does not utilize or create the passing opportunities that you'd want for him to be as successful as he could be at the weapon that he is. Exactly. And then there's, there, there's the questions that I have about Hertz as a pure passer. That, that, that's what it is that it's not, has nothing to do with AJ Brown. Love yeah. him. I, he's, I think he's great. It's just, do I trust Jalen Hurts game in game out to be able to get the ball out of his hands on time into smaller windows consistently to guys like AJ Brown? And do I expect AJ Brown to see the most targets on his team every single week? I, I don't, I think that there's going to be weeks where Devonte Smith or even Dallas Goddard uh, are, are where the ball needs to go based on the matchups that they have against opposing secondary. So that's, I just, I feel like it spells a lot of inconsistency for a guy that you're investing uh, a, a late second or early third round pick in. It's kind of seeing him there. I'm just, you know, thinking out loud because I can't think and not say it out loud on a podcast. It doesn't look, it doesn't do well for good listening. So I'll, I'll vocalize these thoughts. So bear with me if they sound a bit convoluted, but I kind of wonder, and if this is a wait and see season for me as a fantasy manager, where maybe I don't grab AJ Brown this season, but maybe he finishes better than we think he will, because they're going to use him in a different way than we'd expect. And I just, on that note, look at maybe someone like Debo Samuel and what they've done with a player like that at that position. A.J. Brown effectively is built different than most wide receivers. So he also presents a different level of athleticism than you typically get. So I kind of wonder if their plan is to utilize him in a similar Debo Samuel type of fashion, which then just elevates his usage and makes him this multifaceted, multi-level player where you're just so upset that you didn't get him this season. So I just wonder because of his athletic prowess and what he's capable of physically and carrying the team that way he did, you know, in certain drives with the Titans last season, 
I just wonder if there's maybe something that we're not seeing that they're planning on doing. There's like a mystery AJ Brown playbook, if you will, for this season that people are not expecting. Well, if I'm drafting him as the ninth receiver off the board in fantasy or a second or third round pick, that better be exactly what the case is. And that's yeah. just a that feels but like a gamble. gamble. That a feels gamble. like a gamble. And it's like when you're when you're when you're when you're gambling, like there's a difference between like calculated investments and then straight up gambling. At yeah. that price tag, it just feels like a straight gamble and it's I a little you. bit too rich for my blood. I hear you. I just wonder if, you know, this is the year, like, I, and I'm I'm the same way as you. I feel like for that price, I'm out. Um, but I wonder if, you know, we're sitting there, you know, as sharks and we're saying we're out. And then next year, it's just like, wow, we really should have been in, you know? I just wonder if that's going to happen. It could be. be proven it, wrong, it, you know? It, you know, and if, 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 if I end up getting, you know, bit on the, on the backside because I take guys like Keenan Allen and Mike Evans in front of A.J. Brown, then so yeah. be it. Yeah, then so be it. I mean, if you're taking a wide receiver at that position, you're going to be very happy with return on investment, whoever else you get around that position. So I get it. I just I just had to throw that out there because I'm just I thinking know, about I the know. way that A.J. Brown is built different to other receivers. I'm just like, there's got to be something else there that makes it that X factor that I don't know. Um but anyways, um, I guess I would want to wrap up other fallers, just kind of pivoting even further back to what we started with in, you know, Hunter Renfro is someone that for me, I'm not necessarily stashing this year, mostly because he's just not going to have the season he did last year in terms of what you expect fantasy output wise, because Devontae Adams is now there. But also when you look at the way that the targets were dealt last season, it was Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller when available, and then Foster Moreau when Waller wasn't available. And then the mix of other secondary wide receivers, there was never one guy that stood up and was like, okay, that's the wide receiver too. No matter what, he is the guy that we can depend on. I will say, I think that Hunter Renfro is a far better talent and is has earned the job of wide receiver too and will do a fantastic job at it i just am very concerned that there's not going to be enough targets to make him and make him valuable enough at the position for your wide receiver even three off the board i just don't know that you're going to get enough of that like I'm, I'm concerned about the upside and i feel like the ceiling is capped i think you're drafting hunter renfro for his floor I, yeah. I, I I agree with you that the, the ceiling is 100% capped. Even even if the Raiders finish as a top five offense and Derek Carr ends up as an MVP candidate and has a career year, I still think that Renfro is going to be – he's going to see a little bit of a regression as far as his stats pretty much across the board, in particular for like touchdown regression. I do think that that's in session um, heading into this year. But I, I agree. That price is a little bit too, too much for me. But at least I know what the – I feel I have a, a good – grasp of his floor yeah. at that range at, at 81 overall gabriel davis though at 77 feels like a straight projection like that just feels far too aggressive for me like i, I get it josh allen is the man a demigod of football i get it but damn i mean i i is he going to score four touchdowns every game like he did against the Kansas City Chiefs? You know, no, I I don't think he is. I think that we're being a little too bullish on projecting Gabriel Davis being the the like bona fide number two option in this offense. I personally think that Jamison Crowder, Isaiah McKenzie, 
And even the, the likes of Dawson Knox and even James Cook now out of the backfield are all going to kind of be involved as far as, you know, consistent targets go with yeah. Stefan Diggs still being the alpha uh, wide receiver in that room. So Gabe Davis is going to have some big games, but I just don't see the consistency being there. Uh, and who the hell knows what it, his actual ceiling is. That's way too rich for my blood at, at 77 overall. I mean, I love me some Gabe Davis. So for me, I'm taking him wherever I can across multiple drafts. And I'm okay with the price tag, mostly because I do feel like there's going to be a level of consistency for him there without Cole Beasley there, without Emmanuel Sanders there. I feel like he slides into that wide receiver two position and has earned it based on all the effort that he did and everything that he was able to achieve last season. Yes, he had an amazing game where he had four touchdowns. Do I expect that every game? Absolutely not. But I also feel... Like the Bills have a lot to prove this season and are hungry for it. I think that Josh Allen is going to just be Josh Allening all over the place. And, you know, there isn't a good enough adjective for it. So I just use Josh Allen as an adjective. He's going to do his thing and he's going to make Gabe Davis absolutely a must roster wide receiver too for a lot of people. I mean, you're drafting him. I mean, you're drafting him as a wide receiver too, and that's where you believe he is. Then I, 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 I tip my hat to your exactly conviction. What you want? He's going to do exactly what you want. Where Woo! you draft him? So I'm, Woo! I'm here for it. Um, Kevin S. jumping in saying, as a Raiders fan, I hope Renfro does well. But with Adams there now, it will definitely hurt the best route runner and NFL's fantasy output. I yeah, know. it's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt. It sucks. It's, it but- does. It sucks. But hey, Kevin, as a Raiders fan, you got to be happy you have Devontae Adams. At least you have that going for you. You guys should have a lot more wins this season as a direct result of that, I would think. I feel like the Raiders are going to be a team to watch this year. I also really need to get myself to a game because I don't know if you've seen the pool that they have just outside the stadium to go watch games, but it's insane. I want to go. It's like multiple pools with different levels and then all the screens to watch the game really? so you could you could just sit by the pool all day and watch football all day it's insane damn I, i'm sorry my mind's blown right now i'm just i'm yeah. kind of sitting there trying to imagine it but i'm, I'm gonna look it up afterwards um, google get on the google it is fantastic let's let's talk tight ends really quick before we wrap up i know you guys cool. tuned in for a whole hour really appreciate you all listening and throwing questions in the chat absolutely love it and we'll definitely bring you more episodes this preseason to cover all your questions for the drafts um so we'll get all of that for you too let's talk tight ends really quickly though i feel like for myself, I'm never very high on taking tight ends early just because I like to stack up on other skill positions so much earlier. And then sure. I miss out on the likes of, you know, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, um, Kyle Pitts going where he's going right now. So for me, I I don't want to say that the top three are fallers for me, but I just feel where you're getting them. I mean, I would rather have other positions short up there instead of a tight end position, unless you're in some sort of tight end premium league. Um, but I was in the Scott Fishbowl. We're still drafting. And I didn't take a tight end until almost round 10. So we're going to figure that out later for ourselves. I punted the position. But that might just be a me thing for this year. You guys don't have to do it. You make your own decisions. But I myself am out. Um, other tight ends that I think we just talked about, Dawson Knox. He's someone that I think getting late in drafts I think is a fantastic tight end pick. Um, What about for yourself? Are there tight ends that you're high on? Maybe that you would wait on to draft or are you someone Tate that's going to be getting one of those top three tight ends in any draft? Um, It, of course it all depends on the price format, but, but I, if I had to say that I'm high on 
someone, it, it would probably still be Mark Andrews, to be honest with you. I'm I'm personally a believer that Andrews should be the tight end one. And I know that that's probably unpopular because I know that Travis Kelsey is going to see a, a, uh, a healthy share of targets, to say the very least, in particular with Tyreek Hill no longer in town. But, you know, speaking of no one else in town, I mean, outside of Rashad Bateman, who the hell is going to see targets from Lamar Jackson this year? I mean, it's yeah. like Mark Andrews is going to see a ton of work. Um, and I think he's he's an ascending player, whereas Travis Kelsey's kind of on the back end of his prime. Um, yeah, so Andrews is the guy that I, I'm, I'm a little bit bullish on. I'm willing to go early on. But two guys for me that I'm willing to kind of, you know, wait on if I, if I don't get one of the elite options. Uh, Cole Komet actually from Chicago. Uh, we're talking about teams that are devoid of, of pass catching options. The Chicago bears are, I mean, they probably have the worst wide receiver room in the NFL. I mean, yeah. you could definitely make that argument. Um, outside of Darnell Mooney, I have no idea who the hell is going to win that number two job. So why doesn't that number two job potentially go to someone like Cole Komet? Uh, the team did vacate a ton, a ton of targets with Allen Robinson leaving town and really didn't bring anybody in to, to replace that potential number two option. So it could be Cole Komet finishing the season as the second most targeted player in the Bears passing offense. And I think people are a little bit low on Justin Fields. And I'm really interested to see what his second year looks like without the hot mess uh, that was leading the charge there in, in the Windy City and Matt Nagy no longer in town. So him and I am also high on Cameron Brait. Um, with I was going to ask you about him. I was going to ask you about him. I had him down. I was like, make sure to ask Derek Tate who fills the shoes of Gronk for the Bucks because Brady loves him some tight ends. Well, see, Cameron the thing Brait. is, is I was so high on it. I was, I was like bullish thinking like, I actually think Cameron Brait was going to slip into the top 10 until they signed Kyle Rudolph, which now I, that muddies the waters a little bit. Cameron Brait, though, is a better pass-catching option at the tight end spot than Kyle Rudolph is. Not by much. Rudolph's pretty damn good himself. But Brait has the uh, acumen of a quarterback. He's pretty much connected with every single quarterback that's been in and out of Tampa Bay during his entire NFL career. Brait is going to be a reliable safety blanket while Chris Godwin gets back up to speed. Gronk's no longer in town. Uh, Evans is certainly going to see plenty of attention from opposing secondaries. And, you know, Russell Gage will do his thing, but he's not Antonio Brown. So yeah. I, I see a significant uh, bump in, in, in work for Cameron Brait heading into this year. And I still think there's an outside, outside chance he finishes as a top 10 tight end. But then again, you know, everybody's a top 10 tight end. <laughs> Everyone can be a top 10 you could be, you could be, I could be, who knows? No, I, but Cameron Bright was on my list because I wanted to pose that question to you, you know, of the two, who would you draft, you know, Rudolph or Bright? And I just took Bright in the Scott Fishbowl very late. And I was very pleased with my pick thinking, okay, sneaky, sneaky. Could we get some really amazing touchdown usage out of him? Um, but I, I like him late in a lot of drafts. I think that there's some good tight end value, especially when once you've gotten outside of those top three, I think it is up for grabs for those that are trying to fill in the rest of the top 10. And I right. think that's more of what I'm 
you know, high on is just, you know, there's a lot of potential ceiling for a lot of these tight ends. And I, I wouldn't mind rolling the dice on those positions because I'm waiting to get them. And because I'm not spending the draft capital, I'm shoring up on other positions. That's why I like the idea of the upside there. Will Jenkins jumping in the chat. I had to throw this one up here. Tater, are you still on Higby hype train this year? Are you? I'm always, I'm always on Higby's hype train. That's my always. boy. Always, always, is he, always. Is his knee good? Yeah, yeah. No, I, as far as I know, Tyler should be heading into the season pretty, pretty healthy. So he's got a super. He's got hardware on his hand now. He has hardware on his hand now. So you know, is the hype. The Higby hype train is strong as ever. Will Jenkins, thank you so much for tuning in. And he also posted a tweet getting everyone to tune into our show. So I really appreciate you, Will. Thank you, Will. Will, Will Jenkins is, is a saint. Anyways, any other last names to throw up before we wind down the clock on this first episode of us being back for the season? Let's go. I, I, no, I'm just, I'm just happy. I'm happy to be <laughs> back. Just... Fa- fantasy football is, is back. We are, oh, we're almost there. It's we're just, so close. It's, oh, it's, 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 it's good to be back. It's really good to be back. It's good. It's good to be back. It's good to be back with you guys. Please thank you for tuning in. Hit the like, hit the subscribe, all the fun stuff so you don't miss any episodes of the Fantasy Debate or any other other amazing content that Dr. Rota has to offer. So I'll go ahead and sign us out here. Thanks again for listening to the Fantasy Debate with Sam and Tate. Check out all the other content, seasonal and DFS tools, as well as premium access to our staff for all your fantasy sports questions in the members-only Discord right here at drrota.com. Have a wonderful week, guys, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for stopping by the office. Get your fantasy prescription by subscribing to the channel and checking out drrota.com. And until the next visit,